Hey there, fellow Sojourners, and welcome back to another edition of Appropriate in the Culture. On today's episode, we discuss systems of government and the moral implications of generic get-out-the-vote efforts. I'm Pastor Shane, and I'll be your nonpartisan PSA today as we appropriate some culture. So we're on the home stretch of an election year, which gives me a chance to talk about a pet peeve of mine, which is my total and utter contempt for nonpartisan get out the vote efforts like this one. I'm Darren, and I'm turning out for education. I'm EJ, and I'm turning out for merit equality. My name is Lil Lena, and I'm turning out for reproductive rights. My name's Ioana, and I'm turning out for human rights. Hi, I'm Natasha, and I'm turning out for prison reform. Sophia, and I'm turning out for women's rights. I'm Devendra, and I'm turning out for deforestation. What's up? It's Lil John, and I'm turning out for the legalization of marijuana. I'm Ireland, and I'm turning out for global warming awareness. I'm Gabriel, and I'm turning out for racial equality. I'm afraid I'm turning out because I want to impress my friends. That's the only reason to ever do anything. Turn out for what? Turn out for what? That's from Rock the Vote, which is a nonpartisan nonprofit dedicated to building the political power of young people. Which is my first problem with these types of groups and PSAs, which is they're liars. Oh, we're nonpartisan, but our ads only feature people from one party, and every issue highlighted is characteristic of one party. I'm turning out for the Second Amendment. I'm turning out to protect the unborn. I'm turning out for lower taxes. No? Nothing? These ads are evil because they're pretending to be one thing and are actually another, and being duplicitous is evil. But what about something like this? Yo, Deshaun, how about I only block 60% of the time? I ain't big fella. I'm just gonna use my left arm for 60% of my passes. Coach, I'm, I'm only showing up for 60% of the passes. Cool. I'm only coaching to win 60% of the games anyway. Only 60% of y'all voted in 2016? That's not gonna get it done. We can't win if we don't play. Register. 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 Register to vote. You might be wondering, what do you have against that? They're not telling you who to vote for or what to vote for. They're not presenting any issues at all. They're just telling you to vote. And don't we want all people to vote? Doesn't everybody's voice matter? Isn't democracy morally virtuous? And my answer is no. 
As American Christians, we tend to have a bias toward our system of government, and we can even delude ourselves into thinking that our system is God-ordained or inherently Christian. It's not. The Bible does not prescribe to us a system of government, and the only system of government that God institutes in the Bible is a theocracy, not a democracy or a republic. There is no system of government that is inherently good or evil. Wait, what? What about dictatorships? Aren't those evil? Well, not if the dictator is good. In fact, that's what our Christian citizenship is under. We claim Christ as king, and in heaven we will be ruled by an all-powerful, all-knowing, perfectly benevolent dictator, and it will be far, far better than a democracy or a constitutional republic. The problem is not with the system itself. The problem is pragmatic in nature. The reason we find that dictatorships suck is because human beings suck. And so in practical terms, it doesn't usually turn out too well to put a fallen, sinful human in charge of everyone and everything. Well, what about communism? Isn't communism inherently evil? Well, some people point to the early church as an example of communism, or the family as a living expression of communism, from each according to his ability, to each according to his needs. Is that an inherently sinful idea? I'm not sure how, but I do know that pragmatically, it sucks. That the early church willingly shared with one another, and we willingly share within a family, doesn't mean human beings will willingly share with strangers. In reality, someone has to enforce the equality. So it always, inevitably, ends up like Animal Farm, where we're all equal, but some are more equal than others. And every single time communism has ever been tried, it's led to abusive authoritarianism, bloodshed, death, and abject poverty and suffering. Communism sounds nice, might even be a nice theoretical system, but in real-world terms, it produces nothing but human suffering. So how we weigh these systems of government is not the morality of the system itself in theoretical terms, but on the real-world outcomes. What does it actually produce? The best government system, the most moral system, is what best mitigates against our sinful nature and promotes human welfare and human flourishing. I think that the American system does that the best, which is why I'm against nonpartisan get-out-the-vote efforts. We're a republic, not a pure democracy, and deliberately so because the Founding Fathers looked at the real-world effects of pure democracy in history and found that it does not best mitigate against our sinful nature or best promote human flourishing. They were afraid of mob rule, they were concerned about the tyranny of the majority, and they believed that pure democracy was an unstable system. Here's James Madison explaining in the Federalist Papers. Common passion or interest will, in almost every case, be felt by a majority of the whole. A communication and concert result from the form of government itself, and there is nothing to check the inducements to sacrifice the weaker party or an obnoxious individual. Hence, it is that such democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and have in general been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. Which is why, in our system, we have counterbalances to democracy. The Electoral College, the Senate, the entire notion of representative government, and even restrictions on who can vote. Now, that's broadened out over time. People who don't own land can vote. Black people can vote. Women can vote. We now vote for our senators, which we didn't do that until the 20th century. And yet, even as we move toward more direct democracy, we still have counterbalances and restrictions on who can vote. Convicted felons are restricted from voting. and children are not allowed to vote. So no, 
not all voices do count, not all voices should count, and for good reason. We don't let children vote because they don't know anything. They're children. They're not yet contributing to society. Unless they're at a later teenage age, they don't work, they don't pay taxes, they're not politically engaged, they don't have enough life experience to make informed decisions on the issues. In short, we as a society rightly concluded that a democratic republic is not bettered by the input of the ignorant. Which brings us back to the PSAs. Why are we desperately trying to get people who are demonstrably disengaged to vote? Why are we coddling the disinterested and foisting voting upon them, luring them in with promises of stickers? Last time I voted, a grown man asked me if I wanted a sticker. No, I haven't wanted a sticker since I was six. And what kind of person is like, well, you know, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to vote, but then I saw a football field with the word vote on it, and I thought, huh, you make a good point, inanimate object. Or take this PSA. I'm naked. I'm like naked. There isn't a man behind me. These are my hands. Why you want me to be naked? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ruffalo, um, put your clothes on. To be honest, I wish I could cover my hands with my boobs, but here we are. I'm here to talk to you about voting. Did you know that ballots could be naked? And if you don't do exactly what I tell you, your ballot could get thrown out. This is uh, my ballot. Just got it. First of all, when your ballot comes, you're supposed to read the instructions. Read and follow the instructions that come with your ballot. If they say to use a black pen, use a black pen. I know that's like literally the least sexy thing a completely naked person could say, but... Number two. <laughs> In some states like Pennsylvania. 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 There are two envelopes you have to stuff your ballot in, otherwise it's called a naked ballot. Naked ballots, <gasps> and you don't want to have one of those. Number three, mail your ballot in as soon as you can. Don't sit on them. Get those things out ASAP. Like now. Do it. Get it in as soon as you can. I gotta get my ballot to the mother post office. Let's go. Please vote. Take your clothes off and vote. Vote, vote, vote. Everyone's voice matters in this election. Please vote. America needs you. Okay, I'm going to humbly put forth that if you can't read or follow basic instructions and you need naked celebrities to help you with your ballot, you should not be voting. Now, maybe that sounds elitist, and I'm not saying that we should bar people from voting. What I am saying is it's not an inherent good that everyone votes. What these nonpartisan get-out-the-vote efforts are trying to do is the equivalent of getting everyone to post a review of a movie they haven't seen. Because every voice counts. No, if you haven't seen the movie, you shouldn't review it. Your voice should not count the same as someone who has seen the movie. And in the same way, our society is not bettered by the input of the ignorant. If you are the sort of person who has to be coaxed into voting, pushed into it by stickers and celebrities and scrawling on football fields, chances are you're not a person whose thoughts, attention, or knowledge are geared towards civics. And here's the thing. That's fine. Being ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid. We're all ignorant about most things. And the fact that a large portion of our society doesn't care enough to vote is a good thing, not a bad thing. Because what that means is things are going pretty well. 
and the elections don't really affect them. The government doesn't really affect their day-to-day -day lives, and in a free society, that's what we want. If people started negatively feeling the effects of their government, they would start paying attention, and then they wouldn't have to be reminded by a football field to vote. The dramatic uptick in voter participation that we've seen, I think, is largely due to the negative effects we felt from our government. But when times are good, and the government doesn't noticeably affect their day-to-day, -day, more people feel less need to pay attention or vote. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. All right, that'll do for today. Give me your vote with a subscription to my YouTube page. Leave a five-star review on your podcast app. Join my author's Facebook page. Follow me on Instagram or Locals or Twitter. And I'll see you next week for more Appropriate in the Culture. Thank you